This is Dr. Balagayar. This podcast is on cancer risk. It is podcast number two on this topic from an outstanding chapter by Dr. Galena Salem and Dr. Boona Ramaswamy from the Ohio State University James Cancer Center. Dr. Ramaswamy is head of the breast oncology section and associate professor at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. This chapter is derived from Baliga's textbook of internal medicine available at www.mastermedfacts.com. Colorectal cancer. Colorectal cancer is the third most common cancer in the U.S. It is also the third most common cause of cancer-related mortality in both men and women. The incidence and mortality of colorectal cancer have been decreasing in the U.S., With the decrease, there has been a shift of colorectal cancer from distal colon to more proximal colon. This shift, in part, is due to improved screening techniques utilizing flexible sigmoidoscopy with removal of polyps in the distal colon but unable to reach proximal colon and in part due to dietary associations. The best studied dietary factors which may confer decreased risk include decreased red and processed meat consumption, a fiber-rich diet, consumption of vitamins and minerals such as folic acid and calcium. There is evidence to suggest that regular use of low-dose aspirin and other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications decrease the risk of colorectal cancer. Colorectal cancer is uncommon in individuals younger than 40 years, but the risk increases With increasing age thereafter, over 90% of the colorectal cancer is diagnosed in people over the age of 50. Personal history of polyps, particularly adenomatous polyps, incurs increased risk of subsequent polyp development and therefore increased risk of colorectal cancer. For this reason, individuals with adenomatous polyps are advised to undergo repeat colonoscopy every 3 to 5 years. Individuals who have single first-degree relative with colorectal cancer have a two-fold increased risk of developing colorectal cancer. Inflammatory bowel disease increases the risk of colorectal cancer and the level of risk increases with the duration, the extent and activity of the disease. Surveillance colonoscopy is initiated in individuals with inflammatory bowel disease 8 to 10 years after onset of symptoms. Patients with a personal history of breast cancer have a higher risk of developing second cancers. Genetic disorders account for a small percentage of colorectal cancer, up to 1% for familial polyposis syndromes and approximately 5% for hereditary non-polyposis colorectal cancers. Familial adenomatous polyposis is inherited in autosomal dominant fashion. It's caused by mutations in the APC gene, a tumor suppressor gene located on chromosome 5. The incidence of colorectal cancer in individuals with familial adenomatous polyposis approaches 100%. Hereditary non-polyposis colorectal cancers, also known as Lynch syndrome, is an autosomal dominant syndrome with high penetrance 
the disease is a result of defective DNA mismatch repair genes. Most common of these are MSH2, MSH6, MLH1, PMS1 and PMS2. Loss of mismatch repair genes leads to accumulation of mutations with resultant colorectal cancer development in up to 80% of the individuals in addition to other cancers such as ovarian, endometrial, gastric, pancreatic, brain, renal and prostate. In a nutshell, colon cancer is uncommon in individuals younger than 40 years. Personal history of adenomatous polyposis is a risk factor for development of colorectal adenocarcinoma. Specific genetic mutations can identify individuals with familial colorectal cancers. Esophageal cancer. Esophageal cancer is uncommon in the US and compared to the rest of the world. In the US, the lifetime risk for esophageal cancer for male is 1 in 125, while for females, it's less than 1 in 400. Worldwide, it's the eighth most common malignancy and the sixth leading cause of cancer mortality. In the US, the incidence of squamous cell carcinoma has been decreasing, while the incidence of adenocarcinoma has been increasing. This change in histology has paralleled an increase in the incidence of gastroesophageal reflux disease. Long-standing GERD has been a major risk factor for the development of Barrett's metaplasia. Adenocarcinoma arising in Barrett's esophagus is more common in whites when compared to blacks. Epidemiological studies have consistently reported a two to three-fold increase in the risk of adenocarcinoma in individuals with increased body mass index that is greater than 30 kilos per square meter. This can in part be due to increased intra-abdominal pressure associated with obesity, which in turn can result in GERD. However, when controlling for presence of reflux symptoms, the excess risk associated with obesity is in part due to other factors which have not been elucidated thus far. Smoking has been implicated in both histologic types of esophageal cancer. Smoking and alcohol have been the major risk factors for squamous es esophageal cancer. The synergy between smoking and alcohol also increases the risk for other aerodigestive cancers including head and neck cancers. Individuals who tend to smoke and drink are at an increased risk of synchronous that is occurring at the same time of metachronous occurring at different times, tumors, mucosal damage due to lye ingestion results in an increased risk of esophageal squamous cell carcinoma. Certain esophageal disorders such as plumber vincent syndrome and Howell-Evans syndrome inherited in an autosomal dominant fashion have been linked to esophageal squamous cell carcinoma. Dietary factors may partially explain the aspects of risk variation of esophageal cancer. Observational studies have reported that a diet high in saturated fat and processed meat, low in fruit and vegetable, and high in nitrosal compounds is associated with an increased risk of esophageal cancer. The risk factors for esophageal cancer include age, male gender over females, smoking, alcohol, GERD, 
and Barrett's esophagus, high content of nitrites and nitrosamines, family history, obesity, genetic disorders such as Howell-Evans syndrome that is an inherited tylosis, esophageal injury whether it's corrosive or thermal, ionizing radiation, esophageal disorders such as achalasia, long-standing esophagitis, Plummer-Vinson syndrome in which there is esophageal webs, microcytic anemia, and atrophic glossitis. In a nutshell, long-standing and untreated GERD is a major risk factor for Barrett's metaplasia and is more common among Caucasians. Smoking and alcohol are the major risk factors for squamous cell esophageal carcinoma. Skin cancer. Each year, more than a million Americans will be diagnosed with skin cancer. Malignancies of the skin include three histologic types, basal cell, squamous cell, and melanoma. Basal cell and squamous cell are often referred to as non-melanoma skin cancer. Together comprise the most common type in the U.S. Basal and squamous cell are slow-growing, rarely metastasizes. However, they can result in significant tissue destruction and disfigurement. Malignant melanoma, when not detected early, has a grave prognosis. The incidence of all three types of skin cancer is on the rise. All three tend to occur in areas of body exposed to the sun and in blonde, blue-eyed, fair-skinned individuals who tend to be particularly vulnerable. Timing and pattern of sun exposure appear to influence the type of skin cancer. The incidence of skin cancer is highest in Australia, consistent with a high year-round exposure to the sun. Cumulative sun exposure to areas maximally exposed seems to play a role in non-melanoma skin cancer, whereas intermittent intense sun exposure and blistering sunburns in childhood are associated with risk of melanoma. History of tanning bed use increases the risk of skin cancer, even though it admits much less of ultraviolet B in comparison to UVA. Both types of ultraviolet radiation are associated with skin cancer and there is no such thing as a safe tanning bed. When compared to other malignancies, it is the most preventable cancer there is and the one way to do this is to limit sun exposure. Nowadays, more than ever, the public is aware of the need to use sunscreen. At least sun protection factor, SPF of 15 or higher during sun exposure decreases the risk of skin cancer. In addition, avoiding intense sun, especially between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m., as well as wearing protective clothing can decrease the risk. While the public is aware, physicians need to reiterate the importance of sunscreen and continue to emphasize the importance of skin self-examination. Immunosuppression, whether endogenous or exogenous, increase the risk of the non-melanoma as well as melanoma skin cancer. Intact immune system plays an important role in skin cancer and biologic therapy such as interferon, interleukin-2 and ipilimumab used to treat melanoma, boost the immune system and help to er eradicate the disease. Patients with solid organ transplant in particular have a high risk of skin cancer development as well as risk of multifocal disease. Previous history of skin cancer predisposes an individual to an increased risk of subsequent skin cancers. 
Exposure of the skin to chemicals such as oils, tars and arsenic leads to an increased risk. Areas of skin with old scars, burns and chronic ulceration are also at increased risk of developing squamous cell carcinoma. It has been suggested that human papillomavirus infection predisposes an individual to squamous cell carcinoma. Xeroderma pigmentosum is a rare autosomal recessive disorder which predisposes an individual to all three types of skin cancer at an early age. Individuals with this disorder are unable to repair DNA damaged by ultraviolet light and are often referred to as children of the night as they are advised to avoid all sun exposure. Albinism is another genetic disorder with defective melanin production, the resultant lack of pigment in the hair, skin and eyes that increases the risk of skin cancer. Garland syndrome, also known as basal cell nevus syndrome, is yet another rare genetic condition. It is inherited in an autosomal dominant fashion with a high degree of penetrance. Mutations in the PTCH1 gene, likely a tumor suppressor gene, predispose individuals to the development of skin cancer at a young age, usually younger than 35 years old, as well as other types of cancers. Majority of melanoma cases are sporadic. However, a history of atypical moles and dysplastic nevi have shown in multiple studies to increase the risk of malignant melanoma. Evidence suggests that the sun exposure in genetically susceptible individuals increases the the appearance of dysplastic nevus. A BRAF mutation has been found in about 60% of the melanoma cases. In 2011, FDA approved Vemurafenib, a drug which targets BRAF mutations in the treatment of metastatic melanoma. Interestingly, up to 20% of patients on this therapy develop keratoacanthomas or squamous cell carcinomas. Only about 10% of the patients with melanoma have a positive family history. Some have a history of atypical mole and melanoma syndrome, while others have a history of dysplastic nevus syndrome. Genetic locus implicated in up to 40% of familial melanoma includes mutations in the genes P16, CDKN2A, the product which regulates cell cycle inhibition. Risk factors for skin neoplasms include lifetime exposure to sun exposure, history of sunburns early in life, fair skin, blue eyes, blonde and red hair, previous personal history, age, tanning beds, immunosuppression, family history, chemical exposure, genetic disorders such as xeroderma pigmentosum and albinism, Garland syndrome, dysplastic nevus, old scars, burns, and areas of inflammation and ionizing radiation. So in a nutshell, squamous and basal cell skin cancers rarely metastasize but can be destructive and disfiguring. The ABCD warning signs of possible melanoma include asymmetry, border irregularity, color variation and large diameter. A change in pigmented lesion or a new pigmented lesion should prompt a physician that biopsy is warranted. Lymphomas 
Lymphoma is a malignancy of the cells of the immune system, B cells and T cells, which mature in the bone marrow and thymus respectively. It's broadly subdivided into Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. According to the SEER data, the incidence of non-Hodgkin lymphoma has been steadily increasing for the past 30 years and has been attributed to a number of risk factors. Observational studies have shown a higher incidence of non-Hodgkin lymphoma in rural areas when compared to urban areas with herbicides and insecticides implicated as a culprit. Members of the armed forces exposed to Agent Orange and other herbicides have been shown to have several illnesses, one of which is increased incidence of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and Hodgkin's lymphoma. Bacterial and viral infections have been implicated in various types of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. A well-recognized association exists between the infection with H. pylori and the development of gastric malt lymphoma, treatment with triple therapy with amoxicillin, clitoromycin, and omeprazole as shown to eradicate H. pylori infection with a cure rate of up to 70% in patients with gastric malt lymphoma. In summary, in the past 30 years, we observed an increased incidence of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Various infectious agents have been linked to different types of lymphoma. For example, Helicobacter pylori and gastric malt lymphoma, Chlamydia cytokai and orbital adenixal malt lymphoma, Campylobacter jejuni is associated with immunoproliferative small intestinal disease, Borrelia burgdorferi with cutaneous malt lymphoma, Epstein-Barr virus with Hodgkin's lymphoma, post-transplant lymph lymphoproliferative disorders (PTLD). Diffuse large B cell lymphoma, Perkitt's lymphoma, extranodal T and non killer T cell lymphoma, nasal type angioimmunoblastic T cell lymphoma, herpes virus 8 is associated with primary effusion lymphoma, and multicentric Castleman disease. The human T-cell lymphotropic virus 1, HTLV1, is associated with T-cell lymphoma. And hepatitis C virus is associated with lymphoplasmocytic lymphoma, splenic marginal zone lymphoma, and diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. This is podcast number 2 on cancer risk from an outstanding chapter on cancer risk authored by Dr. Galena Salem and Dr. Bhuvna Ramaswamy in Baliga's textbook of internal medicine, www.mastermedfacts.com. More on cancer risk in the next podcast.